sure if I was supposed to make my drink in advance or not. Was it? Well, I did not make mine in advance because I don't know how to make it. Okay, well, I got you. See how people will pay attention while I'm while I'm instructing. Look pretty good. <laughs> we look good. Like bitters. I got the right whatever. Oh. The right Averna. Jerry, you are on fire. Welcome to Career Crossroads Uncorked, a series of member chats inspired by good drinks and current talent acquisition trends. Your hosts, Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin, break down today's recruiting headlines while reviewing a select beverage of choice with industry leaders and influencers. Join us for a drink in conversation. All right, everybody, this is Chris Hoyt. Jerry Crispin's here with me from Career Crossroads. We are doing another Uncorked session. I am super, super pumped for this one. Not only because I, there's a level of anticipation for uh, the drink that we're going to have tonight, but we have two wonderful guests with us, dear, dear personal friends, industry friends, uh, and just giants in the space. Chris Havrilla, say hello. Hello. And Joanna Clark, say hello. Hello, hello. All right. Who, who, which one of you is going to show us how to make this Black Manhattan? made mine because I believe in being prepared ahead of time so <laughs> wow all right all right uh, well, I think we're ready uh, I'll go ahead and get started so the right I am prepared I do <laughs> have I, my that's true it is not drinking alone if it's social distancing right. the thing that you want to start with is your rabbit hole if you have a different bourbon that's okay can now, you put ice in first or later uh okay so good point so you have a you have a um, a jar to to mix in, correct? Yes. With ice. Oh, I I do. You do. I have to go run and get it. <laughs> okay, we need some ice to. There, he's gonna go. Okay. Uh, right. I have ice. Okay. But I need the jar to mix it in. Yes, you do. You need a jar to As mix. As opposed it. to a glass. That's okay. correct. That's uh, correct. Would it would it be? A party foul if I have my my mixing glass uh -huh. that I will then pour over my large ice cube. Um, that would not be a party foul as long as you have this the the stopper to keep the ice in. You don't want to put multiple ices in. It's just I will not have I will not have ice in my mixing glass. Only ice in my. Okay, you you can do that. I would generally recommend putting ice in, but but again, I think I think. The reality is this drink is so good you don't need it. But just of course, Chris is a hundred percent on task. <laughs> oh, there's a bar, bar spoon. Love it. Okay. Now oh, no, I've got before my... we get started, I should tell you that the reason why we picked Rabbit Hole is yes. because it is um, part of the my women's um, distillers collection. Um, where, where I've got bottles from all over the world, literally, of women distillers. And Heather Bass is the distiller, the, the master distiller at Rabbit Hole. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we selected that. If you have another bourbon, it is not a party foul. I will tell you that straight away. I, I actually could not find Rabbit Hole. Okay. I went with Elijah Craig Small Batch. Oh, Small that's Batch. Good. Excellent. It's lovely. The smoky flavor going today. Excellent. That is, Excellent. That is so, perfect. At this point, you would start with your jigger and go with the two ounces side, your, your big side. Okay. Now, if you were only gonna have one drink today, I would say make it three ounces, but since we're gonna... <laughs> so three it is. 
Oh, and I love it. I think uh, Jerry is free pouring. <laughs> no, no. Oh, you. Oh, there. No, there it is. Okay, pour it into your uh, into your glass. But, but right, I've been known to free pour. <laughs> <laughs> then we want to turn it around and go with our smaller one ounce size yes. and put the Averna liqueur. Which the Averna liqueur is an Amaro, which is slightly, which is obviously different what, than what you would normally put in a Manhattan, um, and it's a little. I would call it smokier, Chris. What do you uh, think? Yeah, smokier, definitely. Kind of a smoky, sweet kind of. So, so, so if I did three ounces, how one many and a half. Do this? Well, one and a half. Okay, one and a half. Oh, Chris is already. Of course, Chris big boyed it up there. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now you're now. It, I do know that uh, Jerry got the uh, smoked ch chili bitters. You can have another bitters if that's what you have. But if and you went, Japanese chili bitter, perfect. Okay. If you went with and the I also chili, have my Angostura the, too. Oh, you got regular bitters there, Chris. Uh, bitters. You okay. could. I mix them. I usually do. To, to, so. Oh yeah, couple, couple. So yep. I just want to let you know that that the chili bitters does in fact have a good little kick to it. So um, like you know, a lot of times I'll go heavy on a bitter. I would I would tell you to take like one or two shakes and then wait, and you can always put it in, but you can't take it out. Okay. There you go. Okay. All right. Then once you do that, we want you to stir it around. It makes a cooler sound if you have ice, Chris, but it's not a requirement. <laughs> see? see, you hear it? It sounds cool with the ice. It does sound cool with the ice. It does. And now we put our we put our cherry in with the bar with the bar spoon. Or or the picker. I, my olive picker oh. is a great cherry picker too. I like it. See, I like the added flavor of the of the juice going in. That's why I put. I that's why I use mine. But. That's you know me, I can only have so much sweet. I've already got all this sweet going on already. We gotta we gotta move this along. My liver's right, now put now let's pour the drink. Don't shake it or uh you should stir it. Oh well, that's right, I did stir it. Yeah, then you're good. It's stirred, not shaken. That's got correct. Ooh, see, same color, that? same color. I got a nice COVID pour nice, going Nice, nice. And let's see, Chris is still pouring. Okay, still pouring. Fine. All right. All right. Cheers, Cheers. everybody. Cheers. Oh, Happy I love it. This, of course, has a little, a little yeah. accoutrement there. That's right. Oh, well, that doesn't suck at all. No, no. no. That's a beautiful thing. That is tasty. It's very wintry. I will tell you that, like, I tried yes. to take it into the summertime, and it's a little... No, it's, it's a, a little, little heavy. heavy. It's yeah. a little heavy for the summer. So the winter time. Yeah. Oh, happy Friday. Yeah, no, happy this Friday. was pretty nice, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, so, okay, so I want to hear a little bit more about this mission that you are all on from a, from a female yes. uh, distillery, female leadership perspective. Somebody fill me in on how this started. How did it start? I well, it started with you. You, know, <laughs> you inspired you know, me. We we work hard, you know, in in the industry, right? So I think sometimes you gotta then you know find ways to to elevate your playtime, 
And yeah. so um, probably three or four years ago, um, I read an article in um, a magazine about these women distillers and how they were kind of breaking barriers. But interestingly enough, just a little bit of a side discussion, um, you know, back in prohibition times, there were a lot of female distillers because they used it for medicinal purposes. So it was like making medicine. That's right. And so, um, so it kind of went away for a long time. And now, now you've got all these cool hip folks all over the country that are becoming master distillers from Kentucky to Portland. And, um, and then Chris got in the game because while we were in Singapore last year with uh, Jerry and China's awesome tour of Singapore yep. and everything TA, we went on um, probably the, the most fun egg hunt, Easter egg hunt, <laughs> uh, where we went and found a, a female distiller uh, who was um, outstanding, mostly gins, um, as, as you know, when in Rome or Singapore, uh, but, uh, but outstanding. And so now uh, every time I travel, and I travel quite a bit for my job, um, I do a quick Google search to say female distillers and see if anybody's there. And so I picked up, I think I've got um, about 12 bottles. Uh, the most recent one was from the Philippines. Um, it's a corn whiskey that they made. I will tell you. You know how Southern girls it, love that. It is some strong whiskey. I mean, some strong. Do you know what we call corn whiskey in the South? No. Moonshine. Oh, that, but that's about what it tasted like. <laughs> Moonshine. <laughs> it was. Well, like, it, it's a pretty bottle. It's a really pretty bottle. I love it, Chris. I love it. Well, she's leaving. I think she's leaving out a little bit of the story of Singapore. Yes, she is. Uh, because we we found this lovely bar that was serving. That was part of this whole, you know. Bit, and we met the woman who was the distiller, and she was very flattered, um, certainly by Chris. You know, it's and and um, you know, yes, Chris did all the talking, absolutely. And and, and I, I will tell you, she was very flattered. But then she she said, "Well, I'm sorry, but I I don't have any uh, any whiskey that I can sell you." She says it's all it's all in the process of being bottled. We don't even have labels on the damn bottles. Um, and for some reason, how they did it, I have no idea. But this woman, with a little bit of effort, was was now willing to call the call the manufacturing plant that was bottling her whiskey, make them bottle one uh, bottles just for her. And and put labels on them. I I don't know if they had to hand do the goddamn labels or what. Her name, by um, the way, was Jamie Co. Her name yeah. was Jamie Co. The distiller in in Singapore was Jamie Co. A shout out to Jamie because we did shout tell her that we were yes. going to make sure that we mentioned her on social media regularly. Yes. Uh, but she they, they uh, we got a beautiful butterfly pea gin from uh, yes. Jamie Co. Uh, wonderful. I mean, it makes your uh, gin and tonic look like a beautiful purple. Very seasonal. I'm making it for my wife at yep. regularly. She's she's. We're about to finish it off because it's a very festive drink. It feels like the holidays. How nice. are you going to get another bottle? 
I guess I got to go back to the Singapore. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go back to Singapore. Um, it was, she was phenomenal. I couldn't believe she did it. I mean, the, 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 the gins, I will just say, you know, in Asia Pacific, the gins are next level. Like yeah. Australia, Singapore, Japan, you name it. I mean, they're, the gins are phenomenal. I don't yeah. know that I think of like gin ever. It only I, in, uh, I never drank gin. Only, never. Only when Before. you're in APAC. Only when you're in it, because it's different. It it's might be different. And and I have to tell you, I had somebody tell me because I couldn't even smell it for a long time because I might have I had an unfortunate incident <laughs> when I was younger. And and so I have stayed away from gin. I know no gin, right? I nothing. I'm a whiskey girl. But don't ask. No. <laughs> I, I just have a quick question. Is the unfortunate incident when you were younger, does it have to do with gin or your, or being able to sniff things? <laughs> it was with don't answer that. <laughs> As your attorney, I what tell you, it? don't answer that. It could be going down the wrong whatever. Rabbit. We're going down the wrong, we're going down <laughs> rabbit hole. Rabbit no, hole. Going down the wrong rabbit, rabbit hole, hole for sure. Right. It's starting to feel right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get that. But yeah, I thought I thought I couldn't drink gin, and I had a a bartender uh, friend that told me he's like, no, you have to have like that. Okay, that's not good gin. You have to have like good gin and and like real tonic. And you know, there especially in Asia Pacific, I mean, everything it's very botanical. They, I mean, the the tonics are all either handmade or you know very very botanically fixes is so you know right up my alley with the whole clean you know everything with a face of mama or from the ground kind of world that i live in right and so i was i was so floored like i started drinking gin and i was like wow this is not at all like yeah. you know because i could smell like the you know what i call the bad gin <laughs> Um, and I couldn't even smell it. And now, like, I love whiskey. I'm definitely a Southern brown liquor girl, but I loved, and, and especially, like, gin and tonics in Australia are next level. Not even kidding. Next, yeah. next level. Yeah. And so, gin, so you're saying well done gin has no smell. No, it, okay. it has a it has a smell, but not that one that makes you go, ah! Slight, slight not herbal, the PTSD whatever. smell. But <laughs> so, Jerry, what, what, what distillery were we at on on that trip where we went in and it was and we couldn't smell anything? Was it was it vodka? Do you remember? It was the the camping trip. Yeah, the camping trip. Yeah, where the and, they, and the guy did it. It was in this little somewhere up upstate New York. Oh, yeah. you're talking about the Beaver Kill place. Yeah, up yeah. in the uh, up in the Catskills. So we were told if the the no smell no taste is a sign of really good vodka. Really good vodka. Okay, all right. So is, how is is it is it sort of the same? I'm totally ignorant here for gin. They had whiskey really? and gin. No, it, it, not gin, and, gin and vodka are, do, don't come from the same space. So no. no. Yeah. Okay, but it's not but the same marker. Gins were barrel aged up no. there, and that's you know that's why it didn't have the same smell. Well, yeah, but I was just getting at is it the same marker of the less amount of smell, the yes. less amount of direct taste, the higher the quality. You know, I am not. I could. I would not say that I'm a uh, um, an expert on vodka, but but if I can smell vodka, I'm walking away from that for sure. 
Yeah. You know, vodka should smell fairly whatever well, that, you're putting in it. Yeah, otherwise, why do you have it in your office desk? <laughs> or coffee. Right. <laughs> right. In your office freezer is really where it's supposed to be. <laughs> you know, I will tell you, um, with this um, uh, butterfly pea gin, um, elderflower tonic is the better way to go. Yes. Um, and again, it goes back to the fact that in, in Asia, they do, they, 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 they take it. It's next level. There's no like, oh, what no. is that brand in the U S that comes in those little bottles? Um, the fever tree. Yeah. It's not that. Oh, yeah. I was thinking, no. I was thinking airline. <laughs> it's not the same. Not the same. Um, but I'm telling you, uh, you know, maybe next time we do uncork, we'll do purple drinks because, uh, this is an excellent, um, yes fun gin and tonic yeah she was amazing she she gave us tastings of three of her of her gins and you know i like i was so inspired by joanna telling me about the female distillers because i had always been kind of on the on the on the maid side like you know um really following female uh, mixologists chefs you know, uh, because they have s so little footing in the right. in the space, right? So, like, total next level going and starting to find distillers. Like to me, that's just given me a whole new thing to look for in our world travels. You know, uh, fun things to discover and seeing how that differs from culture to culture. So, you know, now I have kind of Are that you trifecta of mixology distillers and so are the two of you though expanding your your reach if you will beyond whiskey and bourbon to female distillers who might have specialty uh vodkas beers oh, sure. yeah um, absolutely uh sake i, I do not read. discriminate in any way okay I just um, wanted to know if you were a fully diverse, you know, no. being. I, I believe All in diversity and inclusion. Inclusion. <laughs> For female yeah. distilleries. No, female I've distilleries. got female nice, distilleries. Nice to hear that. Nice wine, to hear that. Sake, gin. I haven't found one for vodka, but I haven't looked as much. Um, I have some beer. great scotches. I, um, you know, uh, I'm not a big scotch drinker. Um, but there are some significant scotches out there that, and what I think is very interesting about the women distillers, and I should actually go get my collection, bring it over as you'll bring you'll, the ladies, go get I, the ladies. I'll, I'll go get, they, she knows that I call them the ladies. Hang on one so second. That was kind of my question is like in your, it, outside of it being a really cool hobby, mm -hmm. right? To go find these, so like, have, have you noticed any, any standouts or any patterns or anything by country? Like, way more females in this country versus quality is better in this females location. are as diverse oh. as everyone but, so but I'm wondering, maybe, I'm wondering they, maybe they can cover the entire area well yeah, I, I will I, let, let me let me go around the world for you as that's that but but, um, but i just want to know if there's one thing you've seen consistent in all of the female distilleries and of these these leading women that you've met has there been sort of one thing that stands out among all of them, regardless of whether it was gin or whiskey or whatever. Yeah, you know what's really interesting, Chris? I, it, it, there really actually is, and, and it was my dad who actually pointed it out to me, uh, believe it or not. Um, the bottles and the packaging are really different. 
There, there is an attention to detail on the packaging that's extraordinary. Extraordinary. I mean, he and my my 82-year-old dad picked that out. Like he, I'm like, you're right. They are extra pretty. Interesting. That that's very interesting. So, for example, um, here is the Freeland bottle um, from Portland, Oregon. I've never seen a bottle like that. Exactly. 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 And um, Molly Troop is the is the distiller. Extraordinary. Um, it looks like a teardrop. Yes. Here is a uh, an Irish whiskey. Uh, the woman is Helen Mulholland. It's called Sexton. That's the bottle. Also a unique bottle. Right. Also unique. Yeah. So I told I told you guys about the corn whiskey from the octagon. Philippines. That one was sort of like an octagon, just for people who might just be listening. That was yeah. sort of an octagon barrel. Like a squatty octagon. Yeah. Except for with five sides, not eight. Oh, is that what's going on? Is it just five? Yeah. This drink is good. Two, three, right. four, five. Six sides, actually. So it's a synctagon. Oh, but but here, here is the, um, this is this is a, a family uh, a family group um, that has been, they are one of the oldest uh, distillers in all of the Philippines, uh, four generations and all men. And then the granddaughter uh, took up uh, the work um, in this generation. Did so, she change anything as she came in and like, did she add her own flair? She, or well, she, she's the first one to produce corn whiskey. So uh, they, uh, they do a lot of rum in um, uh, that rum is more uh, prevalent in, in the Philippines and she did the corn whiskey. Love it. Yeah. So it's they're They're very, here's another, this is a, a Scotch whiskey. The whiskey comes from um, Scotland, but it's, it's uh, aged and, and bottled in San Francisco called Sia. A very sexy slender bottle. I like it. See? Yes. I mean, uh, here's one of my my all-time favorites. Um, this is a tequila. Um, this is another woman uh, um, who uh, uh, it's called. Um, she's called Melly Cardenas is her name, and it's called La Gridadon, uh, which that's is a tequila. It's a, an anejo uh, tequila. It is a very drinkable. You can make a great, great, great margarita. Like when I make a special occasion margarita, I use this. Um, but um, you can also just drink it, drink, drink it straight. On a cube. That's good. That, that seems to be disguised as moonshine. Like it seems to be in one of those little <laughs> pop bottles. It seems to be the right? corn whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Now, probably my most prized possession, which Chris has drank this with me. Um, and honestly... Well, let's just be honest. This is my second bottle because I like I like it that much. Um, is called Joseph Magnus. This is an old brand um, that has uh, come come in. Uh, her name is Nicole. By the way, I write these on the tag because there's no way I could remember when I'm drinking um, bourbon. Um, uh, Nicole uh, Hassoun, um, and she she became the master stiller um, at Joseph Magnus, which is an old brand in in Kentucky. Okay, I got um, it. That's why is, you use. That's why they still have a male name. That's right. That's right. So okay. you look at the bottle, though. The beautiful. The, there's. I don't know if you can see in the neck here. Yep. There's this etching that goes all the way around. It's just a pretty it's, bottle. It's, it's ribbed. It looks like. Yes. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah. Somewhere I have a list of female sake folk. Oh, I need that. And and I will I send actually that have to one. You. So yeah, you can you can pay attention to that. There's only there's very few. Very yeah, few. I bet. Um, but they are they they would they've been written up in a couple different articles and i think i have one of them somewhere so i'll try and track that down so at I least you that. have that as part of your you know that. uh list by the and, way and in wine wine there are several wine. yeah wine is uh, the one that i that i know i have is um jay oh jay and, really and when you said distinctive bottles jay is a very distinctive look um, and they have one of the most, um, supposedly, one of the most extraordinary, I have not been to it, extraordinary uh, tastings, dinner tastings. Ooh. Of course. So, which, Chris, which we might want to think about. As, as soon as we're out of COVID jail. I would say, you know, this is an opportunity to not, ex not only, you know, experience getting together again, but also with a female distiller, um, wouldn't that be interesting? It's, oh, a, e &J, that. it's an E&J corporation, right? Or, or it, it, it is owned by Gallo, but they leave them alone. Right. And Jay and the and Jay was developed and founded, and the winemaker is female. The the grounds are phenomenal. Jerry and I oh, were yeah. there. Yeah, last year, and and uh, that's why that's why you know you you uh, sparked something with me because because everything about going there was very specifically, I mean, really detailed and very 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 interestingly designed, differently than I would normally see uh, with a lot of winemakers. And so, when you really push, like if you if you have a conversation with them, they're you know. Like across the board, every single one is so, you know, you asked, you know, or you, you made the comment, I don't know how in the world, you know, you talked her into doing this, but that, that the one thing that I think, you know, besides that is that you, that recognition that, that somebody has put that much thought into something yep. that has faced as many challenges. And when you acknowledge that it opened like Every single woman that I have met that uh, like there's there's just that appreciation and it, not that it comes from a woman or a man or, like it doesn't matter. The appreciation for the journey, the thought behind it, the the uh, the understanding that there's a story behind the name, the label, the design of the bottle, everything. It's it's been fascinating to me. It has created connections that you know i just think are are really like again across the board yeah like i that i don't see the same you know when i go to a non-female bookstore yeah. so it's just interesting you know the yeah. other interesting thing saying that there's not a story or, or something. oh no no for sure but okay. it's interesting because i think it it is um it is something to acknowledge because even when i when i talk about it pretty regularly that i i collect bottles and you know i had a colleague in um in england who was going to scotland 
And he and I said, I said, oh, well, you know, I was just saying goodbye to him as he was heading off to his PTO. And he says, oh, wait, I think I'm going to drive by a woman distiller like, um, you know, the fact that he was paying attention to that. Now, they were closed, unfortunately, because of COVID. But yeah, I know. Um, but but nonetheless, I think I think that, um, it, it, you know, it is a bit of a it, it's not it's not common there. It's not no. like you can find them. No. Um, I, I work hard to actually locate yeah. bottles when I travel. I pick them up, not because I you can't get them everywhere. It's not it, like, you know, well, Maker's here, Mark, which is a great the thing what it does. It, it's something that, you know, you're passionate about. Yeah. But because you're expressing your passion to others you create allies. Mm -hmm. So I can't, you know, uh, listen to a winemaker who happens to be female without going, oh, shit, I need to. You right. told you I came to back that weekend. You, you emailed me, Jerry. I need, to, I need to email her to, you know, to, to you guys. It's it's one of those things like, oh, OK, she's not unique. I mean, she is unique in some ways, but she's, she's increasingly um, emerging Mm -hmm. as a quality winemaker in and of herself, male, female, whatever. And that fundamentally um, we should be paying attention to what's going on there. Do you think that if, if you were to pick another, another area of interest and look for women-led businesses, women-managed business, completely female-led and run and designed, you would notice things like that. So for instance, as an example, if I'm looking for a women's only pants company, would would the distinction be that uh, women's pants now actually have functional pockets? Like what, what, like, do you think you'd see something that an all women's or women leadership would lend itself to within whatever interest that is outside of booth. It's hard to say. I mean, yeah, that is hard to say. Um, I, I I, I I think there's a different approach. I would Um, hope that there are lousy women. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Company leaders and entrepreneurs and all that shit. Yeah. Um, but the point is, I would hope that I would be paying attention about their products, recognizing that if they're excelling, that they probably have an experience a little different than some men might have. Exactly. And that fundamentally, I might pay a little more attention if, they're, if, if the excellence of what they do is starting to show. Yeah. That, I mean, that's... I think that's all that a a woman would want or hope for that. They're not excluded simply because they're female, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they don't also, I I can't imagine anyone wanting to be bought because they are female. They want to be bought because they are producing quality service and quality product. But what I I imagine is the unfiltered, perspective right the uncaged perspective right that that the female leaders get to push forward yeah. right with these distillers or whatever because they're not subject to someone saying 
we've no, we're going to do it like this because we've always done it or no, you know, right. you know, you're just a girl like, you know, that age old bullshit. Mm -hmm. I wonder how that would seep through to a, like a million other other channels. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, would no, I agree. I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, to me, I pay attention to stuff like that because I want to, you know, when I see something or somebody emerge, right, you know, and you look at the path and how does that reflect in what they're doing, they're selling, they're creating, they're, they're whatever, right? And that, you know, and I, I do think journey is a huge part of that inspiration journey, you know, all of it. And, um, and I do think that there are, you, you just can't generalize everything, right? Because no, I think you're right, you yes. you know, but I don't think there's an can. acknowledgement of, you may have had a harder journey, so let me pay attention to this and, you know, and see if that's made a difference. You know what I mean? Um, so for me, um, I, I think so much of the journey it, you know, can end up being a part of what you're, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, your outcome, whatever it is, right? And and that's what fascinates me is how, you know, in a world where we're talking about human-centered design and people and the power of people, you know, um, whether it's, you know, design thinking and, and having people closest to the pain so it, you know, it formulates this path to something that actually solves for something and gets to an outcome, you know, I think the journey is super important. And, you know, when people have to, you know, work harder, whether it's because you're a female or because you're pioneering or because, you know, whatever it is, that fascinates me. I hear you. What I hear you saying is if your journey finds its way into the delivery of your product somehow, into mm -hmm. the DNA of your product, that's what differentiates it. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I was just talking about that, not seriously, like I can't even believe that it connected to something I was talking about at work this week. But I, in fact, I, j just this week, I was talking about what, 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 what roles do we want to focus at in terms of recruiting? And it's the ones that differentiate us as a business, right? right. You, you know, like the, the, the finance team doesn't differentiate you, yep. um, but but there are pieces of your your customer service team, your sales team that really differentiate you as a business. Um, that I think um, uh, makes a difference for your brand. And for me, the other thing that I would just add is I I think I'm attracted to um, to the the women distillers because more more importantly the distillers. I, I work for a large corporation. I've, I've worked for two of the largest in the world. And um, the idea of crash, craftsmanship at this, at, at, at this small level yeah. is, yeah. Um, is what I, I try to think about when I, when I think about the, the bigger things that I'm doing is how do you, how do you infuse that craftsmanship? Right. Um, how do you how do you care about the bottle, right? Exactly. Um, when, uh, when really it's about whiskey, but how do you care about the bottle and how do you get your team to think about the bottle? No detail goes overlooked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But how do you, totally you know, agree. you focus on the things that are important. And I do think, so I'll tell you what my measure is. My granddaughter. Mm. 
So how how she looks at the world tells me how women are evolving sure. to me yeah. you know at a at a it's it's a anecdote at a personal level but but i'm i'm blown away by her broad perspective of how she thinks about herself and the world that she's she wants to be in and what she wants in life and it has nothing to do with dolls or whatever but it doesn't it doesn't not deal with that it deals with it deals with very real things and it seems to me that her parents are doing a good job in helping her see herself in the context of the world that she has every possibility yeah how how just for reference how old is she now jerry she's 10 Interesting. And she's she's fucking dangerous. <laughs> I will tell you. But that. I, I believe you do that because we spent a week in Singapore with Jade, my daughter. Yes. At, oh. at breakfast every morning, even though you know Jerry's got you know decades of experience listening to businesses and doing all the pitching that they were talking about, everything else. When he came into the room, he wanted to know yep. what Jade thought about Absolutely. Uh, about what, what she heard the day before. It was really I think, because I think that that tells me more about the future than anything anyone else can tell me. And she she is she's grown up in an unusual environment and she has the kind of critical thinking skills that allows her to kind of weigh issues and judge issues. I mean, she'll be extraordinarily success. She should be extraordinarily successful. She knock will. on wood, knock on wood. Not, not in terms of, of material things, but in no. terms of how she sees herself. She already is. She already and, is. Uh, you know, being comfortable in her skin and being able to do the things that she loves doing. She's and so you can't ask for more of your children or your grandchildren right then to be happy about being who they are oh yeah very true my own children like it, it's so funny have not even met her by the way yeah. <laughs> and think she's phenomenal <laughs> she's doing pretty good chris are you making another drink <laughs> yes <laughs> i have secretly made another drink oh shoot <laughs> Wasn't so secret. Let me go get my the rookies in the room. No, I'm just gonna start drinking out of my. I, maybe I'll just move on to my. I did. I did kind of a free pour of how much would go in. Now that I, I've mastered the proportions. I think Jerry and I would like to know how the two of you are enjoying your new jobs, of keeping yes. up with us. <laughs> that right. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. Right. Just saying. I was about to put a single shot of so so at Deloitte you know trying to figure out how to help them uh, you know continue with all of the various things that are going on what do you think are the major areas that Deloitte's practice is going to focus on in 2021 
you know, it's funny. We started to touch on this even when Joanna, you know, kind of said, like, here's this tie to work, right? And, you know, um, you know, for me, there's an acceleration of everything right now. But we have been talking about for several years, right, this concept of moving from business enterprises to social enterprises, right? And, you know, from this concept of, you know, something bigger than the than you know the business and you know you know beyond that right and and so you know what's been fascinating over the last several months has been again you know it's about the journey it's about people it's about you know you know how do we bring technology and and humans closer together but with you know this concept of a social enterprise versus a, uh, you know, a business enterprise. And I think the key and where we're kind of digging in, you know, deep is, you know, how are we bringing humans and technology together, right? How do we remain human in a distinctly technology driven world? And, you know, and, and focusing less on outputs and more on outcomes, right? So, you know, a lot of the work that we're doing is really doubling down on, you know, on being a little bit more simple, right? You know, how do we make work better for humans and humans better for work, right? Be better at work. And and so uh, that's really the body of the work that we're doing. And it's coming from a lot of different perspectives, whether it's DEI, whether it's work redesign, which as we dug deep into well-being, it was less about wellness programs and, you know, smoothie bars and things that impacted just experience, which is fine, right? But if you're spending millions and billions of dollars on wellness programs, you know, when there's so many people that feel like, you know, well-being is an organizational responsibility, why is this not making a bigger impact than right. just experience, right? Sure. How is this not coming together with, you know, cost, meaning, and value, right? All right. like, is well-being really about X or is it about how do we make work better for, you know, people and people better at work, right? Chris, That's how, really how, how much do you think the, the pandemic and the societal issues we've been going through, how, how much do you think that those things have influenced that, that direction or the momentum huge. behind it. Huge. And, and really from that acceleration standpoint, but the biggest thing that I think is the most fascinating is that if you had asked me last year, based on the data, the level of trust from a government perspective, from an organizational perspective, it was low. With the pandemic, you know, that actually went high, 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 right? Much higher from an organizational perspective, especially because I think, I think more companies were thinking about safety, connection, you know, how do we keep people engaged? So the trust level went up. And I think what's fascinating right now is how many people are going to keep that going, right? And I think it's not even just a danger of you know, will we fall behind and come back up? But really, can we ever catch up again? Like there's a a momentum that I think organizations can jump onto right now um, with a more focus on employees, workers, and 
and beyond, right? Customers, suppliers, partners, everything, that entire ecosystem, um, external focus. That so be so interesting. Point, of, point of clarity, do you, when you say the trust is going to be, are you saying that the, the trust that the employees have or that the people have in the government and the companies has gone up or the importance of the trust that they need to have? Well, yeah. Both. I think there is a, there is a, a shift, right? Because I think companies were yeah. like, even if they were having to let people go, they were trying to figure out how we can, you know, play some elsewhere. What can we do? Like there was a, a bump in trust organizationally that to me, if we can double down on transparency, connection to the work, a shift in thinking, like let me focus as leaders on what, when, and why and connect people to the work and quit managing the how, right? Because the people closest to the work, if you connect them to the work and the outcomes, instead of a bunch of activity tasks and outputs mm -hmm. that you can continue that momentum, you know, again, with transparency, with, you know, an empowerment. And I know that's a cliche term, right? But less focus on, let me get in your business about the how, and let me just give you what you need to make decisions and take action. And we'll empower you. You're the closest to the work. You can focus on the how, but let me tell you what, when, and why. Mm and let you do that, right? So I think there's a, a real opportunity right here and now to keep that momentum going. Yeah. And, Love it. Yeah. And, jo and Joanna, you have, um, I think interestingly, over the last couple of years, moved from kind of a national focus to an international focus. Mm -hmm. And I'm so amazed at that movement and I, I i'm curious as to how you've how you experienced the fact that you know the last couple of years you've had this international focus yeah thanks jerry you know it's interesting listening to you is ex i feel like it's what i'm going through right now and the one thing that i've told my team over the last few months is the only way we fail the pandemic is if we don't change at all because of exactly. it. that's the only that's the only way we fail is if we don't change coming out of it. Um, and, and there are there are forces both ways. Right. You know, our customers have changed. You know, um, I've already talked about my dad today, but, you know, my dad is checking his balance online. The man used to drive to the bank twice a week to check his balance, you know, but now he can't because he's in, you know, he's protected right. he can't go into a bank right and so he's he's he went online and now he checks his bank every day i'm like dad does it change that much he says no but nonetheless he changed like our customers are changing because of this pandemic at wells fargo um and and so we have to change our our candidates are changing there's an expectation like before there would have never been a thought that somebody in the philippines could work from home now there yeah. is, you know why? Because they've been doing it for eight months. Yep. Um, and yet, and yet, you know, on, on my global team, that was unheard of a year ago. Um, so I think, I think for us, um, as, um, as my hope, we're turning a corner at some point. <laughs> let's, hope, yeah. let's hope for that. 
Um, um, when, when we turn the corner, how we come out of this, I think is going to be really critical for all businesses, but I think for TA businesses, absolutely. Uh, it's what I, uh, you know, if there's something that makes me think after two of these, um, uh, very deeply, <laughs> uh, it is, um, it is how, how do we, how do we act after this is all said and done? Um, how do we approach um, our candidates who are, who, you know, in India and the Philippines, those candidates are used to physically coming in to apply for jobs. And, and for eight months, they have shown us they don't need to anymore. So what's going to happen when we open up again? Yeah, what? Um, and, and what does that mean for my team who never worked from home before, but have all been managing to do that? And I was really resonating to the whole transparency and trust piece, because um, I think that there, you know, whether we wanted to or not, we all as corporations had to trust um, because we had to get our business done. And some people fell down and you know scraped their knee a little bit as they were yeah. trying to figure out how to work from home. That was not easy. I mean, I've worked from home for years, yeah. but but many people don't, and so they don't know how to, how they didn't know how to do it. Uh, but I, I love I love the fact that we've gotten past all the bullshit. And you know, I, I've seen some of my team members with muscle t-shirts on on Zoom calls, you know, and they're just being who they are, and they're bringing their their whole self to work. And I, I think that's so important. And so for me, um, um, even in this um, uh, pandemic, where I probably would have spent, you know, I don't know, multiple days in planes in this year, if not for the pandemic. Yeah. Um, uh, literally overnights um, in planes, um, and and now I'm not. And and so, what does that mean for my job? You know, I have you know more than a hundred people in India and the Philippines. Will I ever go back to visit them? I'm not sure. I I have proven that I didn't need to. Um, they they are doing a great job connecting with me and sitting with me on our Zoom calls and so forth. So um, I think I think that um, the actual impact of this pandemic is um, to be determined. Um, but I think that, um, like I said at the onset, uh, the only way we know we failed is if we if we if we come back to work the same way when it's all said. It's interesting how many organizations are saying are starting to say that their CEOs or their C-suite like are 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 anxiously awaiting when they can just tell everybody to get back in the office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, part of the problem relative to that is. Is when they ask them, you know, are you more comfortable with remote work, for example? And they go, yeah, but but not more than two days a week. Yeah, exactly. and I'm and I'm going, but, but you know, you need to think about this a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, and and I I love the point that you're making, Joanna, in 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 terms of the fact that we when we come back, we really need to rethink. A lot of different things, and yeah. and you, the weighting of how much you need to be in the Philippines or somewhere else might not be as much as it it was before, but it it might not be zero either. It's not and zero. If you were if you because were these are relationship person, cultures, yeah. right? Well, if a new person came in. Doing. That person might need to be there in order to build the relationship. And then maintaining the relationship might be more cap we might be more capable of doing it from a virtual point of view. Yeah. But I'm I'm convinced uh, that that this all of this, the social unrest, uh, Black Lives Matter, um, 
COVID, et cetera, all are opportunities for us to really break the kind of thinking that we've had in the past and recast how we think we should be doing human capital management issues in the future. Exactly. And I think, I do think that there's an entire investment class that's willing to spend money to buy stock Mm -hmm. that's willing to go along with that issue. And I, I think that with the SEC regulations that are going to change in terms of how we report uh, in the future, we're going to see we're going to see some massive shifts in terms of how people invest in corporate pub, at least public corporations in the future against more than simply financial measures, yep. but being more interested in how we manage and develop and retain our employees. It's exactly the focus of, you know, that move from a business enterprise to a social enterprise that we've been studying and, and, and talking about, because that's exactly it. Yeah. I think our members are much more interested in those kinds of issues now. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then knowing that there's, that we're, investing in in how we acquire, how we train, how we develop, how we retain employees um, is is a part of all of that. And understanding. So I think the context for how we build a business case is beginning to shift. Yeah. And I think 2021 gives us, I think, extraordinary opportunity to step up yeah. and make things happen. Yeah, no, no doubt. I'm, I'm excited as, as crazy as 2020 has been. And, you know, even my dog has had a bad year. He's had like a surgery and now he's got an issue with his eye. I mean, this has been a bad year. Bummer. 20, I know 2021 is nothing but renewal at this point. Um, it is a time for us to really rethink about how we're, how we're approaching our work. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that, frankly. I'm looking Me forward too. to that. Me too. Cool. Love it. All right. Well, look, we come to the end of another uh, uncorked session where I'm not entirely sure we even talked much about the drink uh, that we were having. By the way, it was a black Manhattan. Sign other alcohols and drinks. <laughs> the drink has been extraordinary. Both of them. Both of them. But look, you, you, you have our hearts. You certainly have our attention. We love both of you so much. Uh, we do. And we, thank you, you for, for jumping on the show with us. Love it's great. more. I know. Thanks. Let's do this again at any time. You guys let How's us know. How's tomorrow? Are you free tomorrow? <laughs> Every Friday. <laughs> just just cancel the record so we can go off record. Exactly. <laughs> Done. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Career Crossroads Uncorked. Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin look forward to sharing more drinks and conversation with you next time. Until then, cheers.